it's time for C-List News. Welcome to episode two of C-List News. I hope you're all doing better than your 401ks. Youch. Also, let's be honest, I'm making fun of myself there as well, because my 401k is in the toilet. Tuesday was the worst day for the market since June 2020. But don't worry, we will get into that a little bit later. I do want to thank you all again for tuning in and following and rating the show. So many of you reached out after episode one, and I greatly appreciate it. Let's start with some self-deprecating. One, did you go deaf listening to my track music? I am very sorry about that. I have lowered the music to better match the volume of the rest of the episode and have that corrected here for episode two. Two, did you think there were two people at times because my voice drastically changed? (laughs) This is a good one. Contrary to popular belief, though, it was all just me last episode, but I had a first episode issue in which I recorded a whole segment and the microphone wasn't plugged in. That led to a lot of editing to try and get my voice to sound like what it sounds like when the microphone's plugged in, and I definitely learned my lesson, need to make sure the microphone is plugged in. Okay, those are my two self-deprecating issues. I'm sure I had more. Feel free to let me know. But now, for some improvements coming from episode one. I need to give a big shout out to my friend Brian and sister Margot. Out with C-Research and in with C-Search. Let's trademark it. Without further ado, let's get into C-List News. Where do I even start? A huge week for C-List News. Sunday was 9-11 and the day that the U.S. Open wrapped up. And now we have yet again another huge retirement in the tennis world. This time on the men's side. The stock market tanked on Tuesday due to the inflation report. And the last big story will touch on the New York Times employee strike. We also have a quick rundown of some closing news before I send you all off to have a great weekend. September 11th was Sunday, a day that will forever be remembered across the world and we will never forget. 21 years ago, the United States was under attack by terrorists and so many lives were lost in a completely senseless act. I feel for every American and person around the globe that was directly or indirectly affected. It is 21 years later and the pain is still real. However, through all of our pain 21 years ago, the United States was truly united. There are so many stories of the love and care and compassion that took place surrounding that terrible day in our history, and as the years go by, we will continue to honor those that we lost. Now, as I transition into some U.S. Open news, I have to first start with USTA President Michael McNulty. This goes along with 9-11. On the last day of the U.S. Open, USTA President Michael McNulty really has one job to do. Give a closing speech and hand out the trophies. In his closing speech, which, let me tell you, he had a very successful U.S. Open, 
they had the attendance record set this year with 776,120 people coming to the U.S. Open. The last record was held in 2019 before the pandemic with 737,872 visitors. So Michael McNulty had to have been on a pretty big high. What a successful U.S. Open. However, he is the United States Tennis Association president. If you're missing what I'm putting down, the United States Tennis Association president. He gave his closing remarks. He did not mention anything about 9-11 and the lives that we've lost. 9-11 is proudly painted on the side of the courts on Arthur Ashe. And instead of of mentioning 9-11, he went with praising the fundraising efforts that they had at the U.S. Open, and over the three weeks, they raised over $2 million for Ukraine. Now, I don't want my words to be twisted here. I'm thrilled. That's amazing. But I don't think we're asking for a lot when the U.S. Open ends on 9-11 in the city in which the Twin Towers came crashing down, and so many lives were lost to acknowledge that. Also, not to mention, Kasper Rud, who's Norwegian, before he answered any questions about tennis, he stopped. He stopped the interview to acknowledge the lives that were lost on 9-11. Carlos Alcaraz, who's 19, Guys, he wasn't even alive in 2001. And he paid his respects to the lives that were lost and to the Americans that were affected by this terrible terrorist attack. Perhaps it was a misstep by McNulty. I mean, nobody's perfect. I just feel like he could have really united the tennis world on such a day after such an exciting match with just acknowledgement of the lives lost on 9-11. Moving away from 9-11, though, and focusing just on some good old-fashioned tennis, Carlos Alcaraz is officially the youngest-ranked tennis player in the world since the ATP rankings started in 1973. Ain't that some good C-search, guys? If you listened to episode one, I was definitely pulling for Francis Tiafo, but Carlos was truly incredible all tournament long, and was deserving of being crowned champion. Runner-up, Casper Ruud, is now ranked number two in the world, and the final match was competitive and entertaining. Between Alcaraz, Rudd, and Tiafo, the men's tennis world has a very exciting future. There's definitely some veterans in there that are still hanging around, like Nadal, like Djokovic, and dare I say Federer, I'm going to get into his retirement story, but wow. We have some good tennis players on the men's side really coming up the ranks. And let's not forget the women's side. Ons Jabber was defeated by Iga Swiatek in straight sets on Saturday. Ons will carry on as the number two tennis player in the world, where Iga will continue with her number one ranking. I really wanted to get my friend Sarah on the podcast as she is a huge tennis buff. And quite frankly, you probably don't want to listen to my voice any longer. And it would be a lot better if I could banter with someone. 
but she works on behalf of the U.S. Open, and she played tennis in college and just has a ton of tennis knowledge. But the U.S. Open, now that it is Friday, it's a bit overshadowed by the announcement by Roger Federer that he is to retire from the sport at age 41. Over the past three years, Federer has had many injuries and surgeries that have brought him to this tough decision. In his own words, I am 41 years old. I have played more than 1,500 matches over 24 years. Tennis has treated me more generously than I ever would have dreamt. And now I must recognize when it is time to end my competitive career. Federer has won 20 Grand Slam titles, trailing only Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic, and finished five seasons ranked number one. I saw this on First Take. Stephen A. Smith was talking about how it's such a shame when professional athletes have to step away due to injuries and not on their own time, and I must agree with that. He will be playing the Lave Cup in London which starts in only a few days, September 23rd, and wrapping up on the 25th. Team Europe is stacked, though, and it should be an exciting tournament to watch. Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer, and Andy Murray, all on Team Europe. That is pretty impressive. Tune in there, you'll see Roger Federer play his last tournament. He He will still be playing tennis, he says, but not any competitive Grand Slams. Okay, now that tennis and the U.S. Open is over, I don't suspect that much more tennis news coming up on Sealess News in the upcoming episodes. We now need to move on to something that's been affecting all of us, and thank goodness the markets have stabilized a bit since Tuesday. But damn, the U.S. stocks tanked and logged their worst day since June 11, 2020, which was in the heart of the COVID pandemic. The Dow tumbled more than 1,200 points, and inflation numbers were the root cause, with the U.S. Consumer Price Index rising 0.1% from July versus economists' projections of a 0.1% drop. Not great, and we're all feeling it. Inflation really is a trickle-down effect, and the American people are taking the brunt of the pain. It obviously starts from the top, and it trickles its way down to the people. Cost-cutting, layoffs, hard decisions by families. Tech company Twilio announced job cuts of 11% of their workforce, and Goldman Sachs has hit the news waves for looming layoffs coming. This is my first time truly feeling the effects of inflation, I obviously live in New York City where things are expensive, but like everywhere you go, there are signs that are like, sorry, our sandwich prices are up or sorry, this or we don't have the staff or we're understaffed or we're not open today and it's affecting everyone. So I'm wishing everyone well with the inflation. Also, President Biden has the Inflation Reduction Act that he signed into office. They had a celebration around it on Tuesday, which with these terrible inflation numbers that came out, I just don't know the optics were super great, but I'm just hoping that we as a country can turn it around, bring inflation down, allow 
the people to feel a little bit better about their situation. And hopefully inflation starts to drop. But now to the New York Times. Oh, this is my favorite story. And I hope you guys find it just as entertaining as I do. So 1,300 New York Times staffers refuse to return to the office. These 1,300 New York staffers are unionized and have threatened to strike if the company does not meet its union demands. This is far from the best part. The best part of the story is what the New York Times did to entice the return to office. A cute branded lunchbox. They gave the employees a lunchbox? Huh? So, in return for coming back to the office three days a week, the New York Times thought giving the employees a lunchbox was the answer. I have uploaded the picture of the lunchbox to my Instagram page, Seelist News Podcast. Please go check it out. There's so many things wrong with this. I, for the longest time, was siding with the New York Times, come back to the office, do your work, whatever. A lunchbox? How out of touch are these people? So let me talk about it from my perspective. For someone that doesn't have to go to the office, because I don't, I usually go to client site or I work from home or I have work friends, just like everyone, right? In these post-pandemic times where you're not going into the office all the time, you wake up, you slack your friends, you Microsoft Teams your friends, or they're your friends. You text them and you say, office day? One person says yes. The immediate next question, where are we going for lunch? Where are we going for lunch? We're not bringing our lunch pail to the office. Maybe back in the day, we were meal prepping. We were going every day. We're saving a buck. Now, lunch is something you look forward to. Also, New York Times, you didn't put a PBJ in the lunchbox. You didn't even give them a free lunch. I mean, come on. I'm not asking you to give them, you know, their massive raises that they want. I truly don't know what they make. Please do say the lunchbox doesn't help with the soaring gasoline prices, steady increase in inflation, and sharply rising interest rates. So I'm not taking that away from the employees. I totally understand that. And we were able to work from home and do so much and be successful. But it almost makes me question the New York Times, right? It's like they have these employees, and the employees didn't strike, right? They threatened to strike, but they were working. They just didn't go into the office, okay? But you gave them a New York Times-branded lunchbox? Guys, please go check out the Instagram. I mean, it's astonishing what this lunchbox looks like. It doesn't even have handles. Who's putting that in their book bag? Who's putting that in their purse? I mean, nobody's bringing that anywhere. You're going to the office and you're excited to go buy your $16 salad that should really cost $3. And you're excited to go get coffee with your coworkers that you're going to spend like 5 to $8 on. That cost Starbucks like 30 cents to make. Okay, that is the enjoyment of post-pandemic office. You're not there all the time. 
So therefore, when you do go, you have some excitement in getting lunch with your friends and your colleagues. So in this debate, I think the New York Times staffers need to get back to the office, but the New York Times has missed the mark with the lunch pails, especially the one that they gave, because it's terrible. It's huge. It's not going to entice workers to come back to the office. And with all that being said, let's get into closing news. All right, this first story in our closing news segment was going to be part of the main part of the podcast, but a deal was reached. So congratulations. The Freight Railroad Unions and management reached a deal to avert a strike that would cause a huge disruption to Americans across the country. This one even brought Biden in to get this deal done. So I'm just happy for the American people that these disruptions will stop. There already was train cancellations and delays due to this looming strike. So in this agreement, union members will be given a 14% raise with payback dating to 2020, also including a 24% raise in pay during this five-year contract that runs from 2020 through 2024. They will also receive a $1,000 bonus each year throughout the course of the contract. I'm not going to lie, guys. I don't really know how the union pay and labor works, but I'm just happy for the American people. We have avoided the strike. The strike was a looming, they say, could have happened on Friday, meaning today. I've also heard Sunday, so I'm just happy that we're not going to have to deal with it at all. I don't know all the details of the pay, but listen, they got what they needed in the deal, and the railroads will stay open. This next topic was requested because I have a bajillion fans out there. Lauren, thanks for bringing this to my attention. We're talking New York City yellow cabs, which also this story does relate to inflation. Sealess News has a great way of segueing things. He's a true storyteller. Uber is convenient and expensive in the city. Taxis are much less convenient, but oftentimes so much cheaper. Here's the kicker. New York City is now proposing to hike yellow taxi rates and surcharges for the first time in a decade, raising the base fare from $2.50 to $3. Average passenger fares would increase nearly 23%, along with driver pay that would also go up by 33% by increasing meter rates. And here we have it. What did I say earlier in the show? Inflation is a trickle-down effect. Also, Uber and Lyft would also see increases in their driver rates. So the bottom line is, the way I get around this city is obviously the best way. Use your legs and you walk, okay? You're just getting robbed if you're going to take a taxi or an Uber now. It's obviously necessary on so many different occasions, but it just all ties in with inflation. Okay, and in closing, I give you the most groundbreaking news with the NFL because I record this basically every Thursday, sometimes Friday morning. The Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Los Angeles Chargers 27-24. to 
Both Mahomes and Herbert played very well, but Herbert's one interception in the red zone led to a runback touchdown, 99 yards by Jalen Watson, and it became the game-changing play. The Chiefs have an early season lead on the AFC West, and I mean, honestly, good on Andy Reid, but like, Mahomes has just proven to be that guy time and time again. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm still an Eagles fan, so once Thursday Night Football talks about the Eagles, we'll have a larger NFL segment, but until that time, we will just have quick tidbits on the quarterbacks and key plays. All right, guys, I did it. Episode two is done. This one was a lot easier to get through. However, still caused me many issues because I'm just not a professional podcaster yet, but I will be soon enough. Thank you guys again for listening. Please rate, like, subscribe to the show. You can find me on Apple and Spotify as well as Anchor. And please, once again, go to my Instagram page, pull up that lunch pail. It doesn't have handles. Nobody's holding that. Okay, guys, have a hell of a weekend. It should be an amazing weekend out there. Hopefully, the weather is nice wherever you are living. And you can get outside and enjoy some fall weather. Enjoy football on Sunday. And we will be back next Friday.